0: You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network, show number 145 in this show's illustrious history. It's a Friday morning. Sam Ekstrom here. Sage Rosenfels on the other end of the line. The dynamic duo here on Lockdown On Vikings. Sam and Sage back with you for another episode. Off the bat here, what do you think about the sport of soccer? I promise this is going somewhere.
1: Uh, I love soccer. <laughs> Excuse me. My uh, my kids have always played soccer. Uh, my daughter. My son's no longer playing. It. He's a freshman. Uh, he's on the basketball and uh, and tennis. But my my next daughter who's a seventh grader, Ava, she plays a lot of soccer. And it's pretty much a uh, 12-month out-of-the-year sport. It's pretty much nonstop. So I think it's a great sport. I have fallen in love with it over the years. I never really had a chance to play it much growing up in a small town. We didn't have soccer at the time. Uh, But I definitely see it as a – I see why it's very popular around the world. It's extremely simple. You basically just need a ball to play. And uh, so pretty much anybody can play. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to – You know, uh, rent ice time. You don't have to buy expensive helmets and and shoulder pads. You just need a ball and you go play.
0: Yeah, there is something very pure about it. Now, the reason I bring it up is because I'm at a crossroads. Today is the first game of the expansion Minnesota United Soccer Club. They were a semi-professional club. Now they're up to the big level, the MLS. Today is their first game, and I'm debating how invested I want to get in this team. I, I like soccer. I think soccer is a good game. I've got so many sports, though, that I cover here. You know, two of them I cover for work and a number of others I cover just leisurely as a fan. And I'm debating whether or not I want to really pour myself into this thing. It's a whole other group of players I need to learn, strategies I need to hone up on. I'm not really that well-versed in it. And I'm I'm just debating internally which direction I need to go. And I was kind of looking for your advice.
1: Well, my guess is that uh, it's just to watch a few games here and there and slowly become a fan of certain players. And, and you know, in your line of work, probably watch some of those interviews and you'll probably start to like some of the players and not like some of the other ones. But, you know, I think that uh, it's great that soccer's coming to Minnesota. It's a very much a soccer state. Minneapolis-St. Paul is a, a great soccer town. Uh, I actually re- recall probably two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, uh, speaking with people from the Vikings, and, and I know Lester Bagley was one of them, uh, about uh, trying to bring soccer to Minneapolis, an MLS team. The Vikings made a pitch to try to bring the team to uh, the Twin Cities, and, and obviously they did not win uh, you know, that, that, pit, that, uh, uh, that team. So um, it, it's something I think Minnesota understands, the, the Vikings understood it. Uh, they see Minneapolis in a lot of ways with demographics like, uh, uh, like Seattle, Uh, in a lot of ways, and so it's working very well in Seattle and Portland, and I think it'll work very well in Minneapolis.
0: They definitely have the advantage of playing the majority of their season during the summer, during baseball season, and it's a really bad time right now for Twins baseball. They're coming off a franchise-worst season. I think people would really be willing to buy into another professional team alongside the Twins, especially if the product is bad at Target Field, and now people have the option with Minnesota United, who plays at Portland tonight?
1: The reason people might like soccer more than, say, baseball is the nonstop action. It's it's a little bit more like basketball. Uh, it's you know the 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 play is always going. Uh, nothing ever really stops. And, and at any given moment, you know, at, at just sort of like hockey. Uh, and you know, Minnesotans obviously love hockey. You know, the game can rapidly uh, turn. And uh, a one nothing. Uh, lead can be big, or it can be basically nothing, and it can be it disappear in, in a couple seconds. And so, yeah, I, I think it, I think it's a great sport, and I think the, the state of Minnesota and city of Minneapolis and St. Paul, I think they'll absolutely uh, love having an MLS team.
0: From one football to a different football, there's a few talking points today in Minnesota Vikings land that I think are worth getting to, and maybe one topic that is NFL-wide. I think of, of significant interest. But first off. Matt Venzel published this quote yesterday from Mike Zimmer, and I thought it was quite interesting from Zim. Here's the quote. I had a lot of players come in and talk to me and say, hey, coach, we want you to be the best head coach you can be. Here's some things that might help you with the way you handle things not necessarily the schematic things. So what he's saying is is that guys were coming into his office basically giving him tips on how to interact socially, how to handle crisis, uh, things off the field, more about player management, personnel management. and you know number one, I think it's great when coaches can introspect and take criticism. sometimes it's easy to get on your high horse and have a lot of ego coming into a job. I do think Zimmer is receptive to other ideas, whether it's bringing in other coaches or hearing from his players. He's kind of got that open door policy. Does that sound like something most coaches you had would have done or been receptive to? uh, Not all
1: of them. I I, I did not feel comfortable walking to Brad Childress' office and and, and talking about maybe concerns I had with the team. I don't know if almost anybody felt that way, maybe a – maybe a couple of the superstars. Uh, but coaches like Gary Kubiak, I felt that way with. Uh, obviously, Norv Turner was just an offensive coordinator, but I always felt I could go in and talk to Norv. Uh, um, uh, Tom Coughlin, I very much felt that way. Leslie Frazier, I felt that way uh, about walking into their office and discussing aspects other than just myself, uh, You know, the way they've maybe handled situations, maybe uh, complaints that some of the players have. Um, and uh, so I, I think it's, it's coach to coach, and I, I believe it's very, very important uh, that the players um, have a say, too. Uh, it is their team. They are the ones on the field who are, are making things happen, and if they feel like they can improve uh, uh, the, the team or the atmosphere, I think it's great that uh, they can go in there and have that conversation. I think anybody that works in an office and has a boss uh, probably appreciates this same sort of – uh, environment and, and scenario where you know, maybe uh, there, there's an open door policy. If you have issues, uh, a really good boss, I believe, wants good communication so the ears so the air is clear uh, so everybody can uh, can can maximize their potential.
0: Zimmer seems like a really good average. Tell me if this is off base or not. He seems like a good average of Childress and Frazier. Whereas Childress was all discipline, like you've said, maybe difficult to approach. Leslie Frazier, definitely a player's coach, easy to talk to, maybe didn't crack the whip as much as he needed to. Zimmer, everyone goes away from his camp saying, oh, he's no nonsense, doesn't sugarcoat anything, but he has these moments of uh, great empathy, of introspection where he can look back and reflect, and and I feel like he's kind of found the balance where he's got the best of both worlds. He's a disciplinarian, but he can also love you and care about you as well.
1: Well, to me, it's all about authenticity. Uh, if you really feel like uh, you want to have a – I think a team, you want to have real authentic relationships, uh, you know, players to coaches, coaches to coaches, players to players. And that's that's how you create that bond. That's how you create that team chemistry. And uh, I, I think that's what people like about, my, uh, like about uh, Mike Zimmer is his authenticity. And I think he's very open – uh, for discussion, very open for, for criticism at the end of the day, it's still his show. Uh, and I think that's also very important. That's where it's like, okay, uh, I can go in and have a conversation with him. He may say no, but it's nice to be heard. And, uh, I think at the end of the day, Mike Zimmer runs that ship. He runs the show. All the decisions are his. Uh, but I think that, uh, to have players come in other coaches come in and give their own thoughts and opinions. I think is very, very valuable for everybody.
0: Mike Zimmer's been down in Indianapolis, likely conducting many, many interviews with draft prospects. One guy that he will not be interviewing is running back Joe Mixon of Oklahoma who was not invited to the Combine. New rule in the National Football League this year is that players who have a criminal background with felonies or misdemeanors that involve abuse or domestic violence, none of these players invited to the Combine, and Mixon, probably the most infamous offender of any of them. The video that came out recently of him punching a woman in a restaurant, breaking bones in her face, a very violent crime, but there's been some pushback now. The the Detroit Lions general manager saying that, quote, it's really disappointing and, quote, really unfair to those prospects that they're not being invited. To be honest, I'm a fan of the policy. I feel like if you want to clean up your image, this is a fair punishment for a, a crime that really is pretty despicable. You know, in Mixon's case, that's the consequence of his actions. Well, this is,
1: a, this is a very tough subject to talk about because I believe that you know, if you feel like uh, Joe Mixon should be invited to the combine, uh, then it, I think it makes people believe that you're, you know, you're soft on domestic violence or soft on, uh, you know, criminals uh, or those types of things. And I don't believe that's the case. And here's why: the combine is a lot of things. Part of it is the workout. Part of it is the running, the sprinting, you know, all those things. If you don't do those, you can do those at your uh, own. You know, university uh, workout. I, I'm fairly sure most universities will still, you know, Joe Mixon will still at Oklahoma be allowed to do their, their private workout. But I think the biggest thing of the combine is actually the interviews. It's more important than all the other stuff. It's a chance for all 32 teams to interview every player that they want and talk about their past, their future, their goals, their family, uh, their, their college offense. Um, and things that uh, concern these pro teams, including getting arrested. And I think at that time, this is where uh, all 32 teams can get a much better feel uh, for 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 Joe Mixon. Uh, for does he feel truly bad for what he did? Uh, has he learned from those situations? know, this is the United States. We, we're, we're a big uh, believer in second chances here. It's a, it's not in our Constitution, but it almost feels feels like it should be. It's ingrained in us that. People make mistakes, uh, and, and people get second chances if they uh, if they face the consequences the first time. Uh, so the question is, has Joe Mixon you know faced his consequences uh, from a legal aspect? Uh, it, if that has occurred, um, it's time to move on, and and it's you know, I think he should be allowed to come to the comment at the minimum for the interviews. Maybe you don't let him work out. Maybe you don't let him do certain things. Maybe there's something in the draft. Maybe you say if you have a criminal background. You can't be a first-round pick, right? If you have a criminal background, maybe as a coach you shouldn't be able to go to the combine. How many coaches in the NFL have DUIs? A lot. I promise you. I bet you I bet you 30 or 40 or 50 coaches in the NFL have DUIs. They're still invited to the combine. They still get to go and do their job. Why? Because they paid the price for their actions previously, I would hope and I would assume. So it's a touchy subject, but I, I don't get – uh, the NFL trying to take a, a hard stance at this at this point in time or at, at this level because I think this is where you can actually get that real information so the teams can make a uh, a better judgment on that player's future.
0: Very good points all around. Um, clearly, you've thought a lot about this issue and and here's the thing about it. Basically, the NFL is not saying these guys you know can't be drafted. They're saying that we're not going to make it convenient for the player. But what it does is it inconveniences the team. So now the team has to go on their dime and visit the player and they have to make the investment to go speak with them. It doesn't prevent them from having NFL success. It just prevents them from having maybe the resources of being a first round pick. That's no,
1: it. I think it, I think it's just all uh, for the NFL to say they're being tough on crime. It's it's to me. It's completely PR. If a team wants to draft Joe mix in the first round because of his talent knowing his past, they'll draft him in the first round, they'll go work him out, uh, and all those types of things. So, no, I think it's just more of a, 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 to me, it's more of just a PR thing by the NFL. Do you know why the Combine is even there and how it started? Do you know any of the history of the Combine? Uh, Because there wasn't always a Combine.
0: No, I think you're going to enlighten
2: me.
1: All right, so this is good for our viewers. So I actually had this conversation uh, I can't remember, early on in my NFL career, I think with, a, with one of the trainers, maybe it was with the Miami Dolphins, and he said, you know, back in the old days there was no combine, so each team had to go out uh, and, uh, you know, interview these players, work out these players, but put them through these doctor, uh, you know, uh, um, x-rays and MRIs. So you had players, let's just say a left tackle who was going to be a first-rounder who had had some sort of college knee surgery. Well, everybody wanted to see what how his knee was, how the health his knee was. So he would literally fly around to 15 or 20 or more different cities and uh, basically go on a tour of the entire country so everybody could MRI his knee. Everybody could work him out individually to see how his knee would be. And then finally, about eight teams, I think East Coast teams, uh, decided, "Let's this is stupid, let's just all get together, you know, the Giants, the Jets, the Eagles – Uh, And I think it's worked its way over to Indy uh, and this sort of group of teams regionally said, let's just have our own sort of regional combine and get these guys to come in and we can all do the same work at once. Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? And that turned into then all 32 teams not too many years later.
0: Okay, now you've seen what's happened in the past with the draft. Like, for instance, Laramie Tunsil goes from probably a top-five pick down to number 13 last year because he had that bong gas mask picture that that surfaced. Then you had the Lael Collins issue the previous year where he was uh, connected loosely to a violent crime, and then he fell out of the draft completely. And we've seen seen Ray Rice having not gotten a job since his issue – Adrian Peterson sitting out a year with his issue. So knowing all of that and how sensitive the league and the teams are, do you feel like Mixon gets drafted or does he fall significantly because of this? He may
1: fall. I think some of the teams are, are wary of, uh, you know, the, the blowback, the PR blowback for drafting a player. I mean, you know, Tim Tebow never got in trouble, but I think teams were scared to always draft it or, or have him on the team because it was just going to be, you know, so much uh, uh, you know public relations you know, conversation going on about sort of the Tebow effect. And I think players who have gotten in trouble sometimes have that same thing, that cloud just sort of hangs over them, that the the team gets questioned. Uh, You know, the owners never like it when when fans um, think that the team drafts a bunch of, uh, you know, convicts and those types of things. So I I think that, uh, you know, there's there's usually, I think now more than ever, players are held accountable. Players do get, uh, uh, you know, dropped in the draft and those types of things. But here's what I do find interesting, by the way. We are looking at trying to uh, uh, hurt players, in a sense, before they enter the NFL. But we also, at the same time, before they get in the Hall of Fame, have said, it doesn't matter what you do off the field, Lawrence Taylor. It doesn't matter what you do off the field you know, player who's been arrested multiple times and has a, has, a, has a rough past. It only matters what you do on the field. We have also said that, or the NFL has said that. So I find it very interesting. They make it hard for you to get in, but they don't care about what you do off the field to get into the Hall of Fame, which to me is, is the creme de la creme uh, of the NFL and is a very sacred fraternity uh, in NFL circles.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of two-faced talk there because they say that, but then, kind of off the record, there's the talk about well, they they left To out because he was he was a pain and he was bad in the locker room, and, and they're talking about will Randy Moss be omitted his first year because of his off the field issues? Even though that's not really how they're supposed to vote, that's kind of how the thinking goes. But his off
1: the field issues, for the most part, were not criminal. For the most right. part, they were just nonsense. And same with To. Uh, I think I think what we're talking about is you know. Uh, guys like ray lewis right Uh, guys who Mm -hmm. truly have a have a criminal past
0: yeah and and ray lewis that's an example of a guy who i think by all accounts um was connected to something gruesome in his past and he turned out to be not only an outstanding player but he seems like a pretty good teammate and a pretty good guy now so there is redemption there certainly do you offer everyone that that same chance based on the crime based on whether there's video or not and And I think it is fair to say, too, that when there's video, the guys are held to maybe an unfair standard as when there's not video or not concrete evidence, wouldn't you say? Same with Ray Rice. When you see the picture. yeah. The
1: Ray Rice. I wrote an article on that Ray Rice incident uh, for Peter King over at Monday Morning Quarterback. And uh, the incident was gruesome. The incident also was exactly what I thought it would be uh, when I saw him. Uh, carry his fiance's and and now wife's body out of that elevator. Uh, it was. What, what do you what do you think domestic violence looks like? A woman is being pulled out of an elevator, knocked out on the ground. Uh, and to be honest with you. It could have been much, 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 much worse for Ray Rice in that elevator. It was one punch. It was gruesome, but it was one punch. Uh, and as I said, what do you, what did you expect to see in there? And so, yeah, I was I, I thought it was a bunch of nonsense that he got sort of double jeopardy, punished uh, a second time, much, much harsher than the first time, for something that uh, was pretty much what I, what I expected it to be.
0: Yeah, a lot of controversy here. A lot of emotions wrapped up into it. It's a fascinating talker. We really need a whole hour to unpack it all.
1: How did we come? We started with soccer, and now we're on domestic violence in the NFL. Pretty interesting podcast.
0: You got to love the bunny trails. And we're going to end with something that's definitely on the lighter side. How about this? Adrian Peterson approached yesterday with a camera and a microphone. Now, he's probably seen many cameras, many microphones in his life. He probably expected something along the, along the lines of, Adrian, where are you going to be playing? This is TMZ. But it turns out Mr. John Donnelly, reporter for <laughs> Fox 26 in Houston, is not up with his Adrian Peterson. He starts asking Adrian Peterson questions about road rage. For a story that he was filming for Fox 26. Here's how the exchange went. It's a little bit tough to hear, but uh, we'll do our best here with this video. The way,
1: you know, swerving in front of people or speeding up trying to catch up with people, it's, you never know what people, how they react to
3: it. So, Alright, I... <laughs> you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So basically what you just heard was Adrian answering a question about road rage, then the reporter saying, all right, what's your name, sir? Adrian Peterson. And then about a good seven seconds of awkward silence, trying to to kind of view him up and down, say, wait a minute, you do look familiar. You're Adrian Peterson, aren't you? And, uh... (laughs) He just happened to run into one of the NFL's biggest superstars doing his road rage story.
1: Well, that is just so vintage, Adrian. You know, in some ways, he's like a very innocent guy. Uh, It's almost like he doesn't quite realize uh, who he is and and those types of things. That moment, moments like that, um, that are unrehearsed. Uh, I think are really the special moments that occasionally, and this time by accident, that we get to see uh, about celebrities, uh, superstar NFL players. Uh, you got to see who Adrian Peterson was. Uh, the guy asked him a question, he started giving his views on road rage. You know, he, we, all, we all drive around cities and we all see some crazy stuff going on, and he gave his honest opinion, and, uh, and, and that was just classic Adrian right there.
0: What do you say, Adrian, when you spent time with him? Is he pretty fun-loving, pretty humble guy? He is.
1: You know, he's he's not a deep thinker. You're not, I mean, he's not Ricky Williams. I used to sit there and have conversations about Ricky, about the universe and how it all started and where it's all going. I mean, you know, Adrian and I did not have those conversations. <laughs> but as far as the guy who, who loves his teammates, who's just trying to work hard and and be the greatest player that he could be. Uh, I rarely heard him, you know, talk about himself being a great player or talk about himself as a superstar. It was more of just trying to get his teammates uh, to be the best that they that they could be, uh, because he was trying to be the best that he could be.
0: Well, I wanted to talk to you in Frugal Fridays about some endorsement stuff, but I think we'll table that for next week at some point. We went a little bit long with our our discussion about the Combine, and it was great, great stuff. What else did we talk about? Oh, yeah, Mike Zimmer getting advice from his players, and we touched on Adrian there at the end. Good show. Sage, have a great weekend.
1: I'm on my way to the Twin Cities right now, so looking forward to have supposedly a warm weekend up there.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I'm going to start reading up on my Minnesota United soccer, so I can watch the game tonight in an educated manner. I could probably name maybe two guys. Maybe I'm not even sure who the coach is. I I really need to do my research, but uh, I'll do that. You'll drive up north, and uh, we'll reconvene on Monday on Locked On Vikings. His name's Sage Rosenfels. My name's Sam Ekstrom, and this is the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: Best.
3: spring is that you warmer temps mean new all styles meet the super light collection the lightest ever shoes from all now in fresh colors they've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet the lighter than air feel and barely there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever that means more comfort and less baggage take the super light tree runner on your next adventure it's cushy lightweight foam midsole supports every step